0: Today's reading is from Matthew, chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law, until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But for whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Wow, I am so blessed. Um, the the worship has been just incredible. Uh, now were those last two songs something you composed or okay. Wow, but the, the, the dancers, I mean, I was really moved in my spirit, right? Yeah, thank you. Um, I wasn't prepared. <laughs> I have to collect myself. I feel like uh, we've met with God already, so we can just kind of wrap this up. Uh, I don't know. I feel a little redundant now. I'm, I'm sorry I'm going to bring it down to earth, I guess. Um, maybe we could take a moment to pray so I can just not feel so awkward and just um, humbled. Lord, we just thank you for uh, just such a a powerful sense of your Holy Spirit Um, just as we're gathering together. We thank you for the gift of community. Um, I pray just um, praise and thanksgiving for how you bless this church um, just with these amazing gifts. Um, And we pray that as we are gathered around the word, that you open our hearts and transform us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, uh, I'm so glad to be here, so honored. Um, very thankful that uh, Pastor Bianca had invited me uh, on behalf of the Evergreen Association of American Baptists. Just want to give greetings. Uh, I'm so excited to hear about the welcoming about how um, there's this approach of ecumenicism, even in myself. I'm quite ecumenical. My father is uh, well, I'm Canadian, so I, you know, that's, that's different. And uh, my dad is a Korean uh, Presbyterian, which is also very different. Um, And I've gone through many traditions. Uh, I was actually in the United Methodist Church for an extended season, so even some of the liturgy here just feels like home. Uh, And uh, I've also been in non-denominational settings, um, even some charismatic, and just gone through a lot of theology. A lot of my life is about studying different traditions, uh, studying different theological backgrounds and contexts. So to have a church that is practicing that and really trying to embody that is really exciting. And tell you a bit about myself. Um, I'm also a musician, and I just want to say that you're so gifted with amazing musicians. What a what a great collection of bands. Yeah, (laughs) we should really go to them. I'm a musician myself, and uh, I I was a worship pastor for a while, and so I can really identify people who are very gifted. And um, you're definitely blessed to have your team here. I'm also serving in Evergreen as this funny name of Associate Executive Minister for Innovation and Design, and what does that mean? Basically, um, I am trying to help with churches in their calling to help them to identify um, how to respond to transformation, to change, or renewal, and uh, it's kind of a new title. It just started this year. It's a new thing that I'm crafting as we go. Um, For those who are interested in that sort of leadership stuff, I like to use ideas of human-centered design and um, adaptive, like, agile leadership. But, you know, those are all technical terms, blah, 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 jargon. A lot of it is really just trying to teach uh, churches and ministries to listen to what God is doing in the times and how can we respond. That's kind of what I do, and I kind of wanted to talk about that in my message. Um, We had just read from Matthew about this... uh, Interesting piece that I've I've heard preached many times and I feel like this passage that we've read now is so relevant for what we're going through As a church throughout the nation and globally We're transitioning into this post pandemic world Um, We're not fully out of it. Will we ever fully be out of it? But we are kind of approaching a different season I feel and many are asking how the church should respond You know I'm sure some of you are even thinking here, Urban Grace, even though it's my first time, I can only imagine you've had discussions. And how did you have to pivot? Um, Do you remember more than two years ago on that strange march where just things started shutting down and I guess we're not gonna be seeing you and we're not sure when we're coming back. We all had to learn strange technologies of conferencing. And if the church was basically built on gathering all the time, we had to really rethink how do we gather. And so all of us, not just in church, but education, just our recreation, everything had to just be rethought. We had to deconstruct everything and then reconstruct it on the fly. And as we were doing that, we discovered we had to do it multiple times over, because all of us thought we had the answer. And then maybe a week later, we had to just redo it all again. Did you you know what I'm talking about? And we did that for a couple of years. And we're still doing it. It's exhausting. And maybe. Some of you are even thinking about church right now as a time that, you know, we're in a time of change. Uh, A lot of things have been turned upside down. We should do something completely new. We should do things where we've never gone before. We should go places where we've never gone before. Or maybe some of you are thinking, this is a time to stop, to pause, take a deep breath, and let's go back to what we do best, you know? Let's reestablish the foundations. Let's figure out what was uprooted. And let's return to the things that are most important. And uh, during the year of the start of the coronavirus, um, going to church and our participation and what that looked like took a dr- drastic turn. Now, there's this group called the Barna Research Group. And they did a number of surveys about the state of the church. And here's what they said in their surveys. They said that 32% of practicing Christians stopped attending church altogether during the pandemic. And then 14% of practicing Christians switched churches from their previous pre-COVID church. And now there are 18% of practicing Christians who began to view multiple churches throughout the month. Um, Now I'm gonna guess that this, this fancy camera here is, is broadcasting or zooming or something. And uh, maybe you're part of that 18%, or maybe you're part of the faithful that have been attending, but you just can't attend for uh, whatever reason right now in person. But basically, those are very significant numbers. And those numbers doesn't take a genius to realize is that what we understand as church, who is present, even the understanding of presence and gathering has been totally turned upside down. And, you know, I don't want to say it's all completely negative news. Um, 35% of people kept attending their own church. But it shows that the connections that bind us to what we consider communities of faith has really diminished this past year, whether it be virtual or not. And while this past year was not a decline in self-proclaimed Christians, um, currently is staying steady at about 25%, there's definitely been a long-term growing trend of declining, uh, of decline in practicing Christians, and an increase in non-practicing Christians and non-Christians. Over the past 20 years, there has been a decline of about 20% of people who proclaim themselves as practicing Christians. So I'm sure some of you are familiar about you know, a popular definition of insanity as Uh, defined as continuing to do the same thing in light of the same results. And I've observed in many churches uh, that I've been at, and I've been pastoring in a local church for, you know, the past 20 years, and this is the first time I'm doing work uh, at the regional level. I've been in many different churches, um, beautiful historic places like this. Um, I've also been uh, in places that were of different ethnic cultures, different generations, different ages. And I've seen all across the board, we all have this desire when we're gathering that we want to continue to do the same thing the same way because we have uh, a certain sentimental connection to it. We have a deep thankfulness to where we've come from, which are all very good. But there's always a temptation when we gather, is that let's do the same thing the same way. And something that we want to be thinking about is that many churches have been identifying as that, oh, we need to inject something new into the church. We need new young people. We need new this and that. And we do many initiatives, but we still find there's an exodus of a certain generation. We're holding on to certain people. Uh, we're, quote, dying out, literally aging out in our churches. And I wonder if the same pressures that Jesus faced in his time our pressures that we face today. When Jesus came onto the scene, many people were asking, Jesus, are you the one who is to come? Are you going to bring about the change that we've been looking for? Are you going to do something new? Now, there are a lot of people of the establishment who are very threatened by Jesus. And they're saying, are you gonna do away with the old? Because I know a lot of us look down on the Pharisees and such, but they were so zealous for the word because they were persecuted for their, their faithfulness to the temple law. In fact, some of them even lost their lives. And so here comes this upshot young person who's calling himself the Messiah or something, or people are calling him Messiah, I'm not sure. And he's coming to talk about the kingdom of God. He's like, hey, we've been doing the kingdom of God work this whole time. We even put our lives on the line. And you're saying that we're not doing it? They felt very threatened by Jesus and angry at Jesus. And in Jesus' time, Everyone wanted something new or something old. I don't know for what you're going through at Urban Grace right now, maybe some of you would like to push forward and do something new. You know, you want to be relevant. You want to be with the times. You want to be contemporary, right? Or do you want to return to our pure values? You know, our, um, our fundamental directives, our fundamental... Um, mission. So when people were coming to Jesus, there was a lot of, is is it new church or is it old church? Well, new temple, old temple. Is it a new way or is it an old way? And in this passage that we read in Matthew that, uh, sorry, in Luke, that is curious, is that Jesus gives an answer that says, he did not come so much to abolish the past, but to fulfill what God's original tensions with the word was. He practiced radically and helped them to see how to apply the laws of God in the current times. He exposed the false rituals that had come about in the current age, but he was also calling them to return to the fact that God has been serious about these things from the beginning of time. And this is what God is calling every generation of the church to do, to consider What do we need to rethink? Are there perhaps ways that we have gotten off course in what we are supposed to be as a church? But also, what are we supposed to hold on to? Are there things that we actually let go of that are actually very fundamental to what Jesus was about in the kingdom of God? That's why I appreciate so much when we have those times of worship and prayer and these beautiful songs just to reconnect us with what is God's original heart? What is God's original desire for us? And what that looks like might be a little different in the generation before. And all of us have to do this hard work, recognizing that there are very diverse stories here in the room, and there are still stories to be learned, stories to be invited into this space. We need to rethink. So what are some of the things we could rethink? And this is not exhaustive, but these are some things I just want to throw out for you to consider. Maybe we need to rethink what physical space is. Is it really Sunday space at 1030 in the morning? What would this space look like if it was shared or communal? And it sounds like you have a lot of programs uh, during the week uh, open to the community, and I think that's a wonderful thing. But especially with the understanding and the value of real estate in this current day and age, and understanding how churches operate in their budgets, like, what would it be like for a church to have this kind of generosity to really lean in to rethinking what physical space looks like? Uh, the other thing to rethink is rethinking what pastoral community looks like. And what I mean by that is, you know, who is the membership, quote unquote? What is, what is membership? Um, At my last church when I was pastoring, we had someone who joined us online faithfully from Japan every week. And um, I did an online uh, Bible study uh, through Zoom, just talking about the fundamentals of the Christian message. And she, afterwards, she wants to come to faith and she wants to be a member of our church. And I'm thinking like, how do I do membership over Zoom? And how am I gonna, and you know, I'm a Baptist, right? So we're gonna have a town hall. We need to vote to have her in. So we're doing like a Zoom town hall to vote in um, this person through Zoom. I I never would have considered this kind of stuff in the past, but our reach because of uh, being on YouTube live had really changed. We were getting all these people from all over, like different countries, different cities, and I realized I can't just ignore them. They are actually participating in our community. How do we rethink our outreach? Um, There are a number of wonderful people here today in this room with me but there are also people here gathered and they're trying to engage in the spirit just as you are right now. Which led to the other rethinking of church and technology. Usually churches are the most technologically averse, right? Um, I have a personal belief that PowerPoint was put into the world to sabotage all churches. Um, there's, something must be done about PowerPoint. But anyways, but here we are. Now it's like my best friend and everything I do at Zoom I never would have imagined it would have been such a central part of our gathering things like live streaming learning all of that technology who had really thought that you know uh, websites would be such a fundamental part of ministry now social media engagement and here's the thing is that do we have like a good theology about technology Most people tell me like, uh, oh, technology is bad, you know, it's gonna take over the world like in those Terminator movies or the AI is gonna destroy us all. But do we have a deeper theological understanding of how God might be actually able to use technology for good, but also what can theology tell us about the dangers of technology? These are things we really need to think about in these times. And of course, We also need to realize that during the pandemic, our eyes were opened in many different ways to social realities. I think the pandemic just kind of exposed the problems with our systems nowadays and what needs to be changed inside and outside of the church. And for churches now to not think deeper about what has been exposed in social systems and community engagement would be a great loss. We can't go backwards. I think important things have been shown, how the church has actually not met the needs of the community, not met the needs of the city. Now, I know this church, um, from what I've heard, is very active in trying to think about those conversations, which is wonderful. And this is something that we need to push into more. These are things that we need to rethink. So what are the things that we need to hold on to? Holding on to things like worship, like what we do today, what does it mean to come together before God in spirit and in truth? Whatever your, whatever your theological background, wherever you come from, the consistent thing in this Christian tradition is that we are called to engage with God, with our whole being, in spirit and in truth. Some other translations would even say it's spirit, our spirit's, and honesty. Do we have a space in our communities where we're engaging with God with all that we are, with our spirits, in total honesty? And how does that look? what does that look like if we're shifting from physical space into hybrid space? The things that we need to hold on to, the call from the beginning, is that we're called to love our neighbor. Just as we're taking care of ourselves, we're called to love each other. How do we stay compassionate, intentional, engaged, even though maybe some of us are burnt out, exhausted? How do we do it being kind to ourselves and kind to each other? In a time that's very divided in paradigms and approaches, how can we love, especially our enemies? Jesus says, You know, it's easy. The pagans, they love the people that love them back. But what's it like to love those who strike against us? And the third thing is about holding on to discipleship. And discipleship, I know, is a bit of an old-timey religious word, and some people don't like it. They're maybe a little allergic to it. But if I could define discipleship, it's really making people understand that we're not just here to see God, and that's it. But when we encounter God, we are invited to live in the way of Jesus. And the call for every Christian, whatever your background, if you hold to the teachings of Christ, is to recognize that Christ is calling us into a way, uh, an attitude, a belief, an action of life. And how can we make that available for all people? Deserving grace remind people that the reason we're here is because we're following the way of Jesus Christ and we want to invite you into it. We know at times it gets hard or difficult. How can we support you in that as we do that together? Worship, love, and discipleship, the things to hold on to. To rethink our understanding of what the church is about. These are Pivotal times. And as I just kind of close this message, what I'm just trying to do is just to throw out these things. What is it about Urban Grace that you need to rethink? This is a perfect time to do it. We're all doing it right now in real time. And it's awkward. There's a lot of false starts, and that's fine. But better to be in that process than not at all. And it just as important is to also think about what to hold on to. Something I've noticed that's interesting um, in my discussions with many different people, uh, a term that has been happening a lot uh, in Christian circles and theological circles is this word deconstruction. You know, we're kind of realizing maybe the pandemic just exposed, like, man, church is messed up, right? And as someone who's been in ministry for a while, um, I would completely agree. In fact, I could go even farther, right? There's some really broken things in churches. And so we're all eager to deconstruct. What, what can we just throw out that has just been toxic and terrible and awful? And I am completely supportive of this movement. However, as much as we talk about deconstruction, you've got to think about what do we want to reconstruct? Because a lot of times it's, it is much easier. I don't know if you've had some kids. I, I have a five-year-old who's here with me. It is much easier to break apart the toys, isn't it? than to put it back together again. It is much easier to go into a church and say like, this is messed up, this is a problem, this is awful, and just smash it up. It's fun, in fact. I love smashing up stuff, right? But putting it back together again, that's the hard work. How do we bring this together with better systems, in a better way, in a new way, And so as we go back to the passage that we read today, Jesus said, I didn't come here to abolish things. I'm here to bring you back to the word of God, to reestablish what it's been about from the beginning. And my prayer for all of us as a community is how can we think about what to deconstruct, but also what would we reconstruct to honor who Christ is? And not just at the communal level, but even in your own life, in your own walk with God. What are things that maybe you need to let go of? Maybe what are things that you need to hold on to? Amen. Amen. let's just take a moment to pray, and um, as I just welcome the musicians of...